Real Fun DC. So good you'll eat it up. Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of Industry Night with me, Nikki Nellis, here on the Real Fun DC channel. Now, for those of you who are new, thanks so much for joining me. I do cover the DC food, wine, and hospitality scene and have for the last 18 years. Um, so maybe you've heard my food and wine variety show, Foodie and the Beast, which I do with my husband, David, for the last 13 years on 1500. Um, Obviously I am the foodie and he is the beast. Uh, or you follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. There's over 50,000 of you following me. So you know that's the place to go to find out what is happening here and around. Uh, and where it all began, the list are you on it.com, the online e-zine that posts the who, what, where, why, and when, not just for the DC metro area, but now thanks to COVID, um, abroad as well. So domestically and internationally, there's so much happening and there's so much you can now participate in and it's all there for you. So before we head into this uh, episode of Industry Night, I wanna talk about where I've been because um, you know, I eat a lot and there is a lot of good eating to be done. So we did just wrap up Thanksgiving and I just don't think my family does Thanksgiving the same way lots of other people do Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is not a day for us, it is a week. It is a week of eating uh, mass quantities of food. We're very fortunate and grateful that we are able to do that. And also we're all vaccinated and boosted. So we all got to be together. Uh, safely, which was great. Uh, so we start the night before Thanksgiving. Uh, it's not the night before Christmas. It's the night before Thanksgiving in the Saphir slash Nellis household. Uh, the family gathers. Uh, there's a lot of creeping. And uh, it's things like steak and cheeses and tomato pie and hoagies and pretzels because we're in Philly. And that's what we do when we're in Philly. Um, when we do actual Thanksgiving, we start at one and we don't end until midnight. Round one is eight appetizers. Round two is another eight appetizers. The main show is at seven and that has at least 10 sides. Of course there is dessert. We never get to dessert until like 10 o'clock. Um, I did cook half the meal with my sister and mother, but the millionaire shortbread was probably the hit of the night. Um, if you don't know what it is, look it up because it's delicious. And then as if we hadn't had enough, we do take an annual trek on Friday into the city for dim sum because what is better after turkey and mashed potatoes and all the stuffing and fixings? Um, Chinese food. So we do that and it's such a great fun and it's a lovely tradition. And um, I'm so grateful that we get to do it every year. I did take a quick trip out to Tyson's. Uh, the Perch is getting a lot of fanfare and I kind of wanted to know why. And I want you to know there's a reason that it's getting a lot of fanfare. Um, it's pretty fabulous. So it's up on the 11th floor and it's an entirely activated area. So there's an outdoor music venue. There is a beer garden with Star Brewery out of Richmond. Um, they're going to be opening up a putt-putt there. And there's also a food truck court there. Again, 
all on the 11th floor uh, with gorgeous views. It's completely outdoors. It's attached to the Watermark Hotel, which we took a little stroll through. Um, the Watermark Hotel is all suites. Uh, originally, it was supposed to be an apartment building, and now it's a hotel. So um, it's got great rooms. It's a great place to stay if you're going to be out in the Tyson Corner area. And then the restaurant, Ren, is the lobby. So like many of the new sort of hipper hotels these days. It's the lobby, the bar, the restaurant, check-in. It's all one area. So you can do everything in one space. And I was really impressed by the cuisine that they were serving. Uh, Chef Yao is a Nobu acolyte. And while I wouldn't call this a fully Asian menu, there's uh, lots of Asian inspired dishes. A couple things not to miss. The Tokyo chicken, they describe it as chicken nuggets. I think that's they shouldn't. I don't know why they're doing that, but it's delicious. It looks like chicken nuggets, but it's incredibly well-fried chicken with this amazing slaw. You want to soak it all up together. It's delicious. We had the raw Wagyu, which is beautifully marbled and threw it on top of um, a hot stone. So it just got a little warm without cooking it. Um, and honestly, anything seafood that Chef Yao is doing from his crudos to his sea bass is definitely worth a taste. So if you're out in the area or getting a show, because there's a brand new theater out there at the Capital One Center, um, you now have a place to eat. Okay, let's get on with the show. Um, they say it is better to give than to receive. And I am hoping to make that a reality for all my listeners out there. Later in the show, Bart Yamblowski, owner of one of the few independent grocery stores in the DC metro area, Dawson's DuPont and Rockville, has gathered a group of local vendors, Sarah Dwyer, Yuka Dufu, and uh, Chris Burns, uh, each have great stories and gifts for even the most difficult of recipients. But first, sometimes a gift can be life-changing. And I think you are all, are all familiar with the phrase, if you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. But if you teach a man to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. So Brian Duss is here with me to explain how his organization, World Vision, is doing just that. Hey, Brian. Thank you so much for having me on. Also, after your intro, I am so hungry. <laughs> oh, good. Well, that's the whole point. There's lots of goods to eat. But I'm really interested in World Vision and what you guys are doing because it's really different than a lot of the other charities out there. Yeah, so... World Vision is a Christian humanitarian organization that's been around for over 70 years, and we work in 100 countries, including the United States. We do three main things. We do relief, development, and advocacy. So relief, like flooding in Texas or a hurricane in Haiti or an earthquake, World Vision responds. Um, in terms of development, we work in projects and communities that are about 15 to 20 years, things like agriculture, livestock, um, women's empowerment, girls in school, so many projects. And then the advocacy component is advocacy, um, helping raise up people's voices in the communities we serve, but also here in Washington, D.C., where I live, where you go to Capitol Hill and we've had folks um, do advocacy on things like clean water, the Global Food Security Act, so many important issues, funding for malaria, the list goes on and on. So I love what we do. Well, I mean, given the name World Vision, your your view, it sounds like your scope is massive. So how do you look down for people who, to make it palatable for people so people can see little things where they can see the effects of the kinds of work you're doing? 
Great. I'll give you an excellent example. Sometimes during the holidays, it's all about gimme, gimme, gimme. And this is a with the World Vision gift catalog. We can go to worldvision.org. You can pick out any of 100 gifts to help transform a child's life around the world. Instead of thinking about all the challenges right now, you can think about how if you buy one family a goat, that goat will transform that child's life and that whole family's life, and they lift themselves out of poverty. One goat gives about 16 cups of nutritious milk every day, and what the family does not drink, they can make into yogurt, they can make into cheese, they can sell the excess to local community, they can use that money for things like school fees, medicine, even the droppings from the goat are used to fertilize the family garden. Truly miracles with fur. So, well, I love that idea, but you know, you can give somebody a goat, but they have to know what to do with it. So is there a process in which you identify the families who would uh, do well with a goat or some sort of animal? And then are they trained or, or given education? Uh, is the family educated? How does that work? Yeah, we sure do. I think holistic development is really important to World Vision. So when you go to the catalog and you pick something like an apaca, a chicken, ducks, or a goat, that goes to a community that in need, and it's been identified by World Vision's partnership with the community. So something like a goat, they can have up to two babies a, uh, a year. So we work with families to train them on how to raise the goats, how to vaccinate the goats, and then once the goats have had um, a certain number of babies, that goat is then passed on to another family so that the gift goes on and on and on. That's amazing. And you do this with other animals. So it's not just goats. It's also chickens, yes. alpacas, et cetera. Chickens, alpaca, donkeys. Like I love, you can get five little ducklings for 50 bucks. And somewhere like Southeast Asia where there's flooding, chickens don't do so well when there's flooding. But ducks, if there's flooding, the little ducklings just float for a little right. bit. And when the right. water recedes, they're back on the ground producing uh, protein-rich duck eggs. That's, um, that is amazing. Was this always a part of the World Vision sort of execution to give livestock? Yeah, actually, this has only been going on for the last 25 years or so. We've been doing sponsorship, doing microloans. We've been doing all the traditional things you think about when you think about an international aid organization. But this is a, a newer innovation, and there's a number of different organizations that do this approach, and I think it's fascinating. There's no shortage of great places to give to uh, this year. I, myself, I'm on the board of We Are Family. We bring groceries to senior citizens in Washington, D.C., and I love it. And for me, it comes out of a couple things. From my faith, um, Scripture says, to whom much is given, much is required. And for me, this time of year, I love to give back because I have been blessed all year long. Another thing is my father was a refugee. So when I think about refugees around the world, and I've had a chance to see them in freezing cold places like Kurdistan in the winter, blazing hot places like South Sudan in the summer, and I think it's not really hard to transform a child's life by giving, and I love that I have a chance to do that. So the fact that my father was a refugee, he took our family to live and serve in a refugee camp in the Philippines in Southeast Asia in Bataan, and we got to see giving back modeled to us. So when families sit down with the gift catalog or they go to worldvision.org, it's an amazing opportunity for parents to say, we have been blessed and this is our opportunity to give back to folks that are less fortunate. Well, I, I, I agree with you. I think um, it starts in the home when it comes to being generous. It and it is a very gimme, gimme, gimme time of year, right? Um, 
uh, especially when it comes to children, my children. So it is important to, you know, show them how to give. You talked a little bit about, uh, you know, sort of what it does for these families and the children. Um, I understand you also like have handcrafted gifts. What it, What is that component of World Vision? We do. The way the animals work is that you don't have a goat show up to your house and eat your Christmas tree. It's given to a family in need around the world. But sometimes you want to have something to put there. Uh, I don't think my don't don't tell my mom this, but I bought her Patricia Heaton's beautiful silk scarf. So when you donate to the World Vision Fund, you actually get a physical scarf that's been made by artisans in India. I get that. I wrap it up and I put it under the tree to let someone know that the money and the profit from that goes to help people in need around the world. But my mom, who loves scarves, looks great in scarves. She gets that wear a scarf and she can brag that her son bought it from the World Vision gift catalog and it helps families in need. We also have folks like um, Christopher Palaha has something, Melissa Joan Hart, Leanne Ford from HGTV, the actor Megan Good, Regan Jane, Way McDonald. If you go on there to handcrafted gifts, we have a number of items, bracelets and necklaces and purses and things. So you can buy something and you can wrap it and put it under the tree. That's terrific. Well, listen, um, it's what you guys are doing is really amazing. I love the idea of the gift catalog and a way to um, sort of as a family give back to a, a real family in need in ways that are uh, really impactful. Tell everybody where they can find this gift guide, please. Yeah, you can follow World Vision on Instagram and Twitter at World Vision USA. And you want to go to our website, go to worldvision.org and let the right gift pick you. That's a great phrase. Uh, Brian, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, what you guys are doing is terrific. And I just uh, love the idea of making sure families have a way to not only feed themselves, but to grow financially in ways that can be sustainable. I'm so happy that you brought us on to talk about this. This is a great show. I loved your episode about Filipino cuisine because we lived in the Philippines. So I love that episode. I encourage everyone to go back and listen to older episodes. They're so great. And I'm just so honored to be a part of this show. Thank you, Brian. I'm going to make you be my commercial guy. Uh, this is Nikki <laughs> Ellis. I am on Industry Night. We're going to talk about more gift gifting when we give back. It's Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Thanks for listening to Real Fun DC. Now back to Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. And we're back on Industry Night. Please follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter to stay up to date on all the happenings in the DC metro area. Um, so how are you planning for your holiday gift giving? Uh, my advice is to stay local, like as local as possible. Don't be lazy. There's no reason to like flip open your laptop and order from one of those big box stores like... Um, Sounds like Shmamazon. Um, so Bart Yamblowski, owner, as I mentioned earlier, of one of the few independent grocery stores in the DC metro area, Dawson's DuPont and Dawson's Rockville. He gathered a group of local vendors uh, who are doing really cool things and he features them at his store and he's got this Winterfest happening. So Bart, thanks for joining us. Thanks, thanks for having me on the show. Happy to be here. Well, so let's just give everybody a little run up on uh, Dawson's. Uh, DuPont is new. Rockville has been a standby for a long time. Let's just give it a little 411. Sure. So uh, so we're an independent store, as you said. Um, we have three things that kind of separate us out from our friendly competition. You mentioned one of them. 
Um, so we are very focused on local, which is why you and I spend a lot of time talking. Um, so we have over 75 local vendors that we support around the store. For us, local is within 100 miles of the store. And so that travels all the way around. People assume produce, obviously, but we have meat and seafood. We've got beer. We have gifty items. So lots of things from uh, local vendors. Number two is our commitment to the community. Um, very focused on that. Um, to that end, 10% of our staff are people that tend to have difficulty finding jobs, maybe because of a physical or emotional disability, developmental disability. So that's a big part of who we are. And we have, um, at this point, probably about 15 individuals, I guess, uh, in between our two stores. Uh, and then we also have a relationship with, uh, we own a store called Soulful Cafe, which is all focused on uh, supporting people with differing abilities. And then our- was that always a part of Dawson's or was that something Soul, that was new? So Soulful opened right in the middle of pandemic, um, best time to open a business. And um, so we, it's a couple blocks away from the Rockville store, uh, a little bit closer to the Metro. And it's on the first floor of the main street apartment complex, which is a apartment complex that's dedicated to adults with developmental disabilities and low income housing. And we do coffee and smoothies, juices, sandwiches, and everything over there. That's amazing. Um, big part of what we do. And then our, our third distinction is just the product. So we, we have a really long list of standards we follow. Um, we have all clean products in our store, no bleached flowers, bromated flowers, high, high fructose corn syrup, those types of things. So you can shop, you know, comfortably and knowing that, uh, that we've read all the labels for you. But isn't that hard to do, especially uh, now, like with uh, disruption and all everything that's happening, isn't it hard to stay true to your uh, commitments uh, during these times? Um, it, it is and it isn't. I mean, you know, one of the things is that the natural food industry seems to be doing a better job uh, than the conventional markets as far as supply chain. Um, you know, it's obviously, you know, the, the conventional food is a much wider base and they're selling a lot more product. So uh, they're impacted faster. Um, but we found that, you know, and also with pricing, um, you know, the pricing doesn't seem to be going up as quickly on the natural side as it is on the conventional side. Um, so for us, our, we've survived and, and, and prospered through the pandemic because of our commitment to local and because of our relationships with all these vendors. Uh, being a small store, we have a lot of vendors we can pull from. Um, and you and I have talked before. I mean, we bought flour from a cheese vendor. Or, you know, we bought hand sanitizer from our, our brewery friends and, and alcohol producers. So, um, you know, we pivoted very well throughout the pandemic. And hopefully we're getting towards the end of that. Yes, hopefully. Well, when you go about curating your local offerings, um, what are sort of the requirements? I mean, I've been in your store and I've actually put you in touch with people yeah. who were like, you know, figuring it out. You really do a lot of handholding. Um, how do you go about sort of curating and sourcing your local products? Sure. So, um, so it's a big part of what we do. So, and it's a fun part of the job because it's helping to develop new businesses. So I really enjoy that aspect of it. Mm -hmm. um, when we first started out, you know, we definitely were talking to people like you and going to farmer's markets and kind of looking for products. Um, you know, over the years, products tend to come to us now, um, which is great. So vendors know that, you know, we're a good starting point. Uh, it's a lot easier to start with an independent store than to try to get into Whole Foods. Um, so, you know, we're well, able to and I will say, and you and I have talked about this with the change in Whole Foods ownership, it's not as easy for locals to right. get, they're, to, yeah, you know, they're, they're different. They're not right. how they used to be. Yeah, no. Yeah. Before, you know, we used to, um, have some similar products to Whole Foods in the local side, not anymore. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I think they've pretty much eliminated the local from what I understand. I mean, I'm, I don't shop at Whole Foods, um, but 
Um, so, you know, for us, that's, that's, a, that's a good thing. So we can support these local vendors and, you know, and, they, and give them an opportunity. They start, t- tend to start out at a farmer's market typically. Um, that's a good, easy way to kind of get your feet on the ground and see, try the product and see what the response is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really, if you want to make a business out of it, you need to get into, a, into mainstream, into grocery stores. And so we spend time developing pricing, you know, helping with packaging, identifying shelf life and things like that. Um, and we've got products that, you know, started at Dawson's and are now nationwide. We have one product that's, I think, in Canada as well. So I guess that's global. Um, so, you know, we're excited about those opportunities. I bet. And so now I know you have two big events coming up. Uh, your Winterfest. Correct. Talk a little bit about what that looks like for a store, because you do so many community activations, which I, I applaud because it's it seems like everybody's trying to do them. So standing out is, is hard, but you're doing a lot of stuff. So let's just talk about that. Sure. So yeah, that's one of the things that we, we do to try to separate ourselves from the competition is there's always something going on in the store. That was one of the best comments I got from a customer one time is, you know, they said, oh, there's always something happening here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so whether it's just, you know, a single person doing a demo um, or it's our meet the locals night or our jazz brunches, you know, those types of things. So what's coming up this weekend and next weekend is Winterfest. And so um, it'll be in Rockville this Saturday. It'll be at DuPont um, next Saturday, so the 11th. And uh, similar events, um, we'll have a number of local vendors who will be sampling products who get the opportunity to meet them. We'll have some music. We're going to have beer tastings and wine tastings. And then we'll have um, some craft vendors as well. So not people that typically sell in the store, but people that we know um, that have been a part of uh, craft shows and things that we've done in the past. So it's an opportunity to come in and get some gifts, um, some that you can eat, some that you can't, um, and have a good, you know, glass of wine or a good craft beer. Well, all right. So on that, we'll come back to you at the end. I want to, you, you've really curated a lovely group of people for me to talk to today, and I'm very excited. So I'm going to start Thanks. with, uh, Sarah Dwyer. Um, I wasn't at Dawson's. I have to be honest. I was down at the, uh, downtown holiday market. I was checking out what they were having down there and I did see, uh, Chiquette, chocolates and um it's a great story and they do beautiful things so sarah i'm not only am i excited that you are at dawson's and have been for eight years but i think your story is amazing so i am thrilled to have you with us um tell us a little bit about how you wound up opening up a chocolate you're not a shop because you don't have a brick and mortar but how you opened up a chocolate business chocolate kitchen is what i could say right yeah absolutely so I have been meant to be a chocolatier basically since I was born. So I have loved chocolate. My first birthday cake was chocolate. If I babysat, I would use that money to buy chocolate cake. I would make um, Julia Child cakes, chocolate cakes from every cookbook I could get my hands on, chocolate chip cookies, brownies from a box mix, anything chocolate I've always been attracted to. And if someone got that old Whitman sampler at their grandmother's house with like the fake cross stitching on it, mm-hmm. um, I would basically smush every single one of those to try to find chocolate covered caramel. Cause that to me, the smooth caramel, the crunch of the chocolate shell, and now we've added sea salt to them because sea salt caramel is the biggest thing. Right. Um, that really is just my little bit of heaven on earth is a chocolate covered caramel. So really pretty much since I was born, I should have been a chocolatier, but I spent years in retail and banking. And then about 11 years ago, um, during the banking crisis, I said, I'm going to move to Paris for a year and take a sabbatical. 
And I decided to go to Le Cordon Bleu in Paris and do their pastry program. And when we made chocolate covered caramels, I literally fell in love again and realized that cho good chocolate covered caramels were pretty far defined in the United States. And so I kind of took that old European recipe, the slow cooking of the caramel, the really nice couverture chocolate, um, and added kind of like my sensibilities and my design sense to them. And so you have a kind of across the What does that mean? When you say design sensibilities to chocolate, what does that mean? Well, I think of myself as being a little bit funny. And so our chocolates are not super serious. I mean, we do logos for serious clients and things like that. Um, but we did celebrities. Um, we did phenomenal women for a while. We still make them. Um, and we picked nine women that we thought are phenomenal in their fields, Serena Williams, Michelle Obama, Joe Biden, Janet Yellen, all the people that we think are great, and then put some sayings, um, like she thought she could, so she did. Mm -hmm. And that kind of started us on this whole like loop of doing fun celebrities. So um, we came out with Harry Styles chocolates this year, um, which I basically, whenever when I do an event and that crowd comes in, I, I can't keep them in stock. Um, and we always do local things. So we've always had DC, Maryland, and Virginia chocolate. Um, so really just my sensibility is just a little bit like, you know, designing on the chocolates with the cocoa butter is one of my favorite things to do. And so I work well, with can local you designers. Can talk about that for a sec? Because, I mean, we're talking about all these things that you have on chocolate, but it is a design and mm -hmm. you do, it's edible design. It looks so yeah. intricate. How do you do it? Screen printed cocoa butter. Okay. So it's really called a it's really called a transfer sheet. Mm -hmm. The best way you can think of it is like a temporary tattoo, but it's made of cocoa butter, and it goes on top of chocolate. So the design, let's say it's pink and white, mm -hmm. and we put that in the mold, cocoa butter up inside the mold, and then we pour the chocolate in, and the chocolate goes into the negative space where there's no cocoa butter pink or white. And then when we turn the chocolate upside down and pull the transfer off, we have the brown of the chocolate and then we have the pink and the white of whatever design, flower, et cetera, we had on the cocoa butter. Mm -hmm. So that is really how they're made. So we can, anything you could like screen print on a t-shirt or a hat, you could put, on, can a put on a chocolate. That's amazing. Yeah. Love that. And your chocolate is so fun. It is. I mean, it's fun and it's different and it's smart. Now let's talk about your business model. I mean, I know you feel like you've always were meant to be a chocolatier, but maybe your retail and banking background helped you with your business model. Cause, um, I, oh, yeah. much like Bart, you have inclusive employment practices, which again, I applaud what, what made you go down that road? Well, I thank you for your applause, but I will tell you and any other business owner uh, out there is that it is not a charitable decision, although it may start that way. It's the best business decision I've ever made. And Bart will probably at the end talk about it as well. These are the most talented people. They just have different abilities than what we consider, you know, neuronormal. Mm -hmm. I have people on my staff who might not want to talk to customers all the time, but they can tie a bow in 11 seconds. And I challenge any of you to tie a perfect bow in 11 seconds. 
I can barely uh, tape off the dispenser. So um, yeah, challenged <laughs> when it comes to tape wrapping altogether. Yes. So things like that and finding them their right place is really um, something that all businesses are going to have to do looking forward. I mean, there is a labor shortage and I will tell you, BART probably doesn't. And I definitely do not have a problem finding employees because I hire inclusively and I find people the right place. And sometimes they find their right place in the kitchen without me. They just say, Sarah, this is what I want to do. And that's what they do. Whether it's putting each thousands of chocolates into a paper cup and putting those in a box and getting the ribbon on and the um, labels on perfectly straight, or if they want to make the caramel, whatever they need, they find themselves drawn to is what they end up doing in our kitchen. And everything I've ever done for someone who might have different needs has made my entire staff and my entire business stronger and more flexible. So it's really one of the things that I know think Bart and I feel very strongly about is that you probably are, you know, to survive in what we've got going on now labor-wise, looking to people who are different is the key to keeping full employment. Well, I couldn't, um, I totally agree with you. I think that makes all the sense in the world and you and uh, Bart should have megaphones so that more people <laughs> just hear that because uh, the workers are there. It's very, very true. And it's just a matter of, it's a matter of looking through a different lens when it comes to working with yep. people with disabilities, that's all. And it's not really that hard. Um, Sarah, uh, no. quickly, um, let's just talk about, so you only do chocolate covered caramels, correct? I would say we specialize in chocolate covered caramels because it's not a just only, it's, okay. it's the best chocolate covered caramel you're going to have. Mm -hmm. So, um, Very good. It is but we do, we do other things. Um, but the chocolate covered caramels have a great shelf life for, um, without adding any preservatives. So in order to make a fresh like Belgian truffle, it really has a weak shelf life. And we'll do that for special events anytime people want them. Mm -hmm. But we feel very strongly about keeping clean ingredient lists. And there are some ways you can have, you know, chocolates for longer. Um, but we really do want to have people to get the best that they can. And we um, also make what we call twigs. I know this time of year, peppermint bark is super popular. Yep. But I feel like some of them are so big, you need like a little hammer. And some of them come with a hammer. So you can crack them into pieces that are edible. Right. So we make what we call twigs. Sticks. It's a piece of gum, like a you know stick. And they're, we call them bark. And the nice part about them is that they're very shareable and they're great to keep with you in your desk. So we call them emergency desk chocolate or emergency purse chocolate. And oh, around, I don't know, between three and five o'clock, you just need one little piece of something to get you through your commute. Mm -hmm. That's what you can have. Uh, you have my number. Obviously. Oh, until this year. Yeah, you totally have my number on that. So Sarah, I want to thank you so much uh, for joining us. I think the work you're doing is great. Your products are incredible. Um, I know that you're, you have to get going. So what I want to do is, if you wouldn't mind just telling everybody, obviously we can find you at Dawson's and Bart will shout out to you at the end of the show. But can you tell everybody where we can find you on Instagram, please? Uh, Chouquette US. So it's C-H-O-U-Q-U-E-T-T-E dot U-S. You can find us there anytime you need us. And we can still get your 
we can still get gifts through you for the holidays, right? I mean, we're only at the beginning of December. Yes. Excellent. Okay. Order soon. Order soon. Order soon. And go to Dawson's. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Thank you. Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Thanks for listening to Real Fun DC. <sighs> Serving up thought for food. Now back to Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. All right. Next, I'm very excited because we're going to be talking about nature's essentials. Uh, Ikua Dufu has joined us. Uh, another product that is featured at uh, Dawson's, and it's all about oils, which I am totally about. So Ikua, hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm, I'm so interested in your company, Nature's Essentials. Tell us a little bit about it and how you got started. Yes, um, we've been um, operating for about a couple of years now, um, and it actually started in a, um, at home in, in Ghana. My parents uh, live in Ghana, and um, the oils are produced from start to finish um, in Ghana. I, uh, I often would ask my dad, you know, was there something that he didn't quite get to do during his career? Uh, that he would like me to help with. And um, eventually I came to the oils and um, I told you a little story about my grandmother uh, during the summers uh, when we would visit her. Uh, she would show us how to cook sardines and different dishes um, using these cold pressed oils. And um, these were memorable times, I think in a time of a child um, hopefully um, childhood memories are usually um, pleasant ones and carry them with you. Uh, so eventually um, I was excited to have the opportunity to uh, develop uh, the business of the oils and again, share these memorable experiences with others. Um, at the same time, help in uh, developing uh, a business that I could carry with me um, to my home because I live in the U.S. in Falls Church, Virginia, and um, also share these wonderful, memorable experiences uh, with my community. So that is how it got started. Okay, and so when we're talking oils, yes. you're using sesame oil, correct? Correct, 100% pure sesame oils. And so the sesame oil is both edible and topical? Absolutely. So sesame is no ordinary oil. Um, it has a, it's very versatile, has multiple benefits. Um, and um, its intrinsic value isn't lost because we do not refine the oil. All the essential qualities of the oil are preserved. And um, a lot of people aren't familiar with 100% um, pure sesame oils. Most things on the market are blends. Um, and with the 100% uh, cold pressed or slightly toasted sesame oils, all the nutrition, um, nutritional quality and elements of the oil are preserved. And um, I think you asked about how it is that we are able to use it as both an edible and also uh, for topical. Well, um, sesame has these very powerful antioxidants, two of them, sesamol and sesaminol. Um, and as an edible oil, they help to remove waste substances from the body. Um, not most people are aware of this. Um, it also 
um, helps to clear waste. Um, so this is um, either reducing cholesterol or helping to alleviate um, issues with uh, heart disease. So it is one of those oils that is highly recommended that you include in your diet, um, along with everything that you, you, you enjoy in a day. So now when, so the products that you offer, um, you have the sesame oil that can be used for cooking, um, yes. which I, you know, I, I just don't feel that sesame oil is getting its due uh, for its health qualities, which I'm learning about through you. But when yes. we talk about topical, what are the kinds of products that you have that people can use uh, like moisturizers and, and aromatherapy, like how do you go about putting that all together? Right. So um, I'll start with um, I'll start with what we have at Dawson's Market today. We have actually um, introduced the pressed the edible oils, and they come in three varieties. Uh, we have the cold pressed variety, and we have a lightly toasted, and then we have a dark toasted variety, which we carry at the Dawson's Markets. Um, it is our hope that we will be introducing the aromatherapy body oils, which are widely carried in, in Ghana, um, but we are to introduce it to the US market as well. Um, we basically use the cold pressed variety oil um, as the carrier oil, as the base, and into that we introduce essential oils like rosemary, eucalyptus, um, palma rosa, petit grain. All these are very powerful essential oils that also have their own health benefits and we couple them together and um, we have three varieties of topical lines uh, relax refresh and exhale and these are to be used as either massage oils or as as your daily body moisturizer which is how I use them mm -hmm. yes uh, well they sound fabulous I would love to uh I have humidifiers all over my house because it's so dry so I love putting essential oils in yes. the humidifiers. Um, and I personally, I love the scent of sesame oil. It's so, um, it's such a clean, refreshing scent. Yes, yes, absolutely. And when you talk about sesame oil, um, because it's pure sesame oil, most people may associate it with a strong um, aroma, um, but the pure cold press variety is almost neutral uh, scented and um, very clean. Um, and very, very wonderful to apply to the body. Um, when you do, it's interesting when you talk about an oil and when you think of applying it to a body, you do normally associate with being sticky after you're done applying the oil and you immediately want to wash it off. With sesame oil, it is a very light oil and it absorbs immediately into the skin tissue. And in instantly, probably within, I would say two minutes, leaves your skin very fresh, non-sticky, non-greasy, and glowing. And it's amazing to use it as a, a body oil. It is 100% natural. There are no additives um, aside from, you know, organic, very high quality essential oils that we may add in very uh, low dilution rates, which are safe to be applied to the skin. Yeah. So the products that you carry at Dawson's right now are for uh, they are the yes, they are the edible oils, which I'll be happy to share. Um, in any um, health benefits that go along with them, or suggested uses as well. Well, uh, I would love you. some suggested uh, uses because 
Um, you know, I feel like there are other oils that I won't name that get a lot of play uh, in the food world. Um, and uh, sesame is not, is usually thought of as an accent. I don't think about cooking with sesame as much as I do with yes. oils. Yes. So as I said, we have the three varieties and on the, on the cold pressed, um, now when I say cold pressed, I'd like to explain myself. The sesame seeds um, are pressed as they come um, in their natural form without any heat. So it would be the equivalent of an extra virgin sesame oil. Mm -hmm. And that is very pure scented, very neutral, and can be used for almost anything. Um, it has a much higher uh, smoking point than I would say some of the olive oils that people are most familiar with. Mm -hmm. um, some of the suggested uses that I would share with you, uh, for those who perhaps like to have, say, an avocado on toast, I would say you just would add a slight drizzle of the lightly toasted sesame oil, and it gives it a wonderful, it has a very nutty flavor to it. Mm. Um, if you love hummus, um, you would know that the key ingredient to hummus is tahini, and that is sesame. So as opposed to adding olive oil to your hummus, if you don't make it from scratch and you buy it in the store, sometimes you feel like you've, you've got to enliven it a bit. I highly recommend adding either lightly toasted or the toasted sesame oil to really bring out the richness of the hummus. So again, as a snack, if you love your salads or you love veg root vegetables at this time of the year, um, it's wonderful when you grill your uh, vegetables to drizzle a little bit of uh, toasted sesame oils. Mm -hmm. uh, again, it's a matter of preference as to, you know, how much flavor you want to introduce to your foods. So our oils are really introducing a new way of relating to um, them in your food, as opposed to maybe immersing your food in oil. Um, we're actually very interested in introducing flavor to your foods and doing it in such a way that it doesn't take so much time. So that is what I would um, oftentimes uh, when I've come into store, I love working with Dawson's Market. I've been both to the DuPont and Rockville Center several times. I love the staff there. They're like my family. Um, I do share recipes with um, our shoppers who come in and I do do tastings. Um, I also make breads with sesame oils. And in this case, I use the um, original cold pressed and um, I bring them into stores and I have uh, people taste the breads with this, these are artisan breads with um, with the oils, uh, maybe with a slight dash um, uh, pink Himalayan salt, mm. you know, very little of it. Or some people just taste the oils on their own. And people are amazed. They're like, hang on a minute. I thought I knew sesame oils, but they don't actually um, haven't tried these particular oils, which are 100% uh, pure. Well, I love this for a gift idea, especially for like the cook who has everything, because it's a really interesting product to have. Um, I really appreciate you sharing your story with us, Ikua. Can you please tell everybody where they can find you on Instagram? Absolutely. Um, it's nature's essentials underscore GH, and I'll spell it N-A-T-U-R-E-S. Mm -hmm. Then it's E-S-S-E-N-T-I-A-L-S. So that's Nature's Essentials, all one word, underscore GH. And that's our Instagram handle. Excellent. And on there, you'll see lots of suggested uses and um, recipes you can choose from. Terrific. I really appreciate you joining us today and sharing your story um, and, and 
all this information about your products. They're terrific. I want to go now and talk to uh, Chris uh, Burns with um, Old um, Old Ox Brewing. I just keep looking at your Hoppy Place sign. Like it looks like it's pouring into your head. Uh, you're on the video. Thanks so much for joining us, Chris. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Nikki? I'm good. I'm good. So, uh, you know, you're a brewer, you're local. How'd you get into the biz? Because, you know, that whole craft brew scene has changed drastically in this area over the last 20 years. Oh, my gosh. Yes, it's changed drastically since we opened our doors in uh, 2014. I got into craft brewing the the way a lot of uh, brewers did um, as a as a home brewer. I, um, my dad actually dragged me kicking and screaming into the hobby, if you can believe it. He um, he had learned how to home brew from one of his old college roommates, and he called me up one day and said, "Hey, I'm making this IPA. Uh, would you like to come over and help me?" And I said, "You know, Dad, that just doesn't really sound like my thing." I'll pass. And, but he was persistent and he dragged me over there and I'm so grateful that he did because I was immediately hooked um, on brewing beer because I thought it was how, how cool it was that it really satisfied both halves of my brain. You could be as analytical and uh, science-minded as you, as you care to be, but you can also be extraordinarily artistic uh, and, and your imagination is really your limit. So um, the hobby kind of took over our lives after about uh, five years of, of home brewing. We decided uh, we were both kind of at uh, different crossroads in our lives. We, um, he was getting ready to retire. I was sick of commuting into the into the city from Ashburn uh, every day to my government contracting job, and uh, we decided to stop giving away our beer to all our friends and start trying to uh, to sell it. Well, and clearly that's a success. I'm looking at the massive equipment behind you. Yeah, um, yeah. How did so? How did you go from zero to sixty? How did you go to develop uh, your own brewery and and set it up and then create enough product that you could sell the stores and etc. So the, the, the secret ingredient for us was understanding our own limitations. We um, we we knew that trying to go from brewing uh, 10 gallons at a time to brewing 930 gallons in a turn, doing two turns a day, um, wasn't going to be an easy transition. There's so many things other than just making quality uh, or what we believe to be good beer um, that goes into actually operating a, you know, a craft brewery. Um, paramount to that is safety uh, and quality and understanding production management. So we made a point of hiring uh, the best folks that we possibly could to make sure that um, we had the, the best quality beer possible. So we've had fantastic head brewers throughout our seven and a half years in business. We've had amazing sales teams. Um, just really focusing on the business strategy was our, our strength and um, letting our palates be the guide on, on product selection and then counting on some really fantastic people to make Old Ox Brewery what it is today. Well, let's talk about your palate and how that's changed over the years. Um, as you did your home brewing and now you have this business, did the taste that you were looking for from your beer changed? I mean, I'm sure you have several SKUs, but like as you create your beers, 
how does that change, you know, from month to month or year to year? Absolutely. So what Old Ox Brewery is known for is accessible and approachable, high quality beers like our Golden Ox and our Black Ox and our Hoppy Place IPA. These are beers that are fantastic uh, with food. They're, they're beers that appeal to a relatively broad cross-section of the craft beer community. And they're beers that we're exceptionally proud of and have been with us since day one. Um, what has changed is the innovation within the, the industry um, and the expectation from our customers that we're not just gonna uh, rest on those four beers that, uh, that keep the lights on. We're, we're gonna uh, be adventurous with every specialty beer that we do. And so when we opened up, we had you know, three beers and we find ourselves seven years later producing approximately 50 different beers throughout a given year um, because people want to try new things. Um, now, at the end of the day, they'll probably go back to whatever their favorite is, their Gold Knox, their Hoppy Place, but everybody wants to see what's new and what's exciting. And I think that's really a, a fun part of being in the craft beer industry. So you get to do seasonal beers which must be fun and it must be great every year. Do people bring you like products like, oh, I want to see something with this or do you work with like uh, distilleries and use different barrels? Like how do you, do you play with it in different ways? Absolutely. We, um, we use a lot of local partners to produce fun stuff throughout the year, whether that's ingredients in our beer, uh, like we're, we've actually used Virginia grown grains um, from Charlottesville uh, to Virginia grown hops uh, in some of our specialty beers um, to yeast that's cultivated right here in, in Virginia. Um, but in addition to the ingredients that we use in our beer, we also like to partner with local businesses that have fun products like chocolates, for example, to do pairings with our, with our beers. So we'll do uh, different events, um, throughout the year that involve um, our food purveyors uh, doing fun stuff, whether it's local cheeses, um, local restaurants doing things like pierogies um, or, um, or chocolates. We do a Valentine's Day pairing every, uh, every February that involves local chocolates and, and beer. So it's, it's always fun to, to, to use local ingredients in whatever capacity we can. I wonder if there's a sesame oil thing that we can think about. <laughs> I was just thinking that actually. Right? <laughs> why, why not? I mean, I think it could be fun. It could be fun. So let's talk about what you have for the holidays. Um, sure. As far as gift goes for that craft beer lover out there, do you have any special sort of seasonal beers that you're offering or any gift packs that you're doing that, uh, you know, is just right for that uh, beer aficionado? Absolutely. So one of the things that we do throughout the year, but is, is most popular during the, the holiday season, anywhere between Thanksgiving and, and New Year's, is we do our variety pack. It's a, it's a 12 pack that features four different beers, uh, three cores and a seasonal. Um, that's, uh, that's always um, sold really well during the holiday se uh, season. Um, but one beer that we're exceptionally excited about and people look forward to every year is our, our kegnog. Um, that is a uh, eggnog-inspired beer um, that's available for a very short window in December. 
Um, it's uh, it's pretty cool. Um, you can find it at uh, a lot of um, your uh, local craft beer focused realers, uh, retailers, uh, including uh, Dawson starting next week, I believe, which is exciting. Um, and the the first thing that you'll notice about this particular beer is um, is its packaging. Uh, when you look at it on the shelf, it's got this kind of cool, ugly Christmas sweater vibe to it. Um, kind of a almost like a needlepoint sweater with the uh, green and red uh, cheesy looking reindeers, very uh, very intentionally uh, gaudy. Um, and then the the product itself, uh, this is just making me thirsty, so I'm going to crack one while, while we're talking. But um, the uh, uh, hey, did you bring one <laughs> oh, for the did I class? Not, what happened did here? Did I not bring enough to share? I apologize. You'll you'll just have to you know go uh, through my sensory analysis as we talk. Um, we've got, um, with this kegnog, uh, as I said, it's an eggnog inspired beer. So on the aroma, the first thing that you should get is, uh, a, a nice whiff of uh, nutmeg because nutmeg is the predominant spice character in eggnog. Um, we follow that up with some, uh, cinnamon as well. And then a couple of other, uh, ingredients to help enhance that, uh, eggnog feel. So we've got, we brew this beer with oats and wheat and uh, lactose. Um, those three ingredients are going to combine to give you a really rich mouthfeel. Uh, the lactose is, is milk sugar, which is a, a type of sugar that the yeast can't ferment out. So it provides just a little bit of residual sweetness to add to that creaminess and the richness in the body. Uh, and then we're going to add some vanilla bean to help with that, uh, that creamy character. So is, and it, then if you... is it sweet? Is it over like... Because, you know, there's a lot of people who like don't like sweet stuff when they're, you know, like they don't want a sweet beer. Is it sweet? Is it desserty? Do I want this over ice cream? What am I doing with this? Uh, it does make a great ice cream float for sure. Um, it is sweet. Um, so I agree for, for folks that don't lean towards a sweeter palate, um, then this may not be the right beer for you. But, it but be um, a breakfast beer. Maybe it's a breakfast beer. What do we think? I've. I think beer in general can be enjoyed any time of day. We uh, we do coffee beers that are great at uh, nine in the morning. We do one called Brew Baca. Um, yeah, but Kegnog, I absolutely, I could see waking up and uh, having a sip for sure. All right. All right. Well, listen, I really appreciate you joining us. Tell everybody where we can find Old Ox Brewery on Instagram. Pretty simple. It's Old Ox Brewery is our handle. That's it. Super simple. Okay. Uh, Chris, thank you for joining me. Bart, I'm going to bring you back in. If you could just give everybody, please, just a rundown of uh, where people can find these products at Dawson's Market, about the Winterfest, and where we can find you also on Instagram and online. Sure. Well, thank you guys for coming out. Really appreciate it. Um, got lots of great local products to choose from. So uh, you can find us at Dawson'sMarket.com. All of our handles are just Dawson's Market, similar to Old Odds Brewing. Um, and our Winterfest, again, is this Saturday, the 4th in Rockville, and then the following Saturday, the 11th in DuPont. And we'll have lots of samples and events and music and kids activities, which I didn't mention before, from Tiny Chef. Uh, and Old Ox is actually here today, uh, sampling tonight from 5 to 7 in, at DuPont. So if you get a chance to come by tonight from 5 to 7, you can try some of their beers. So grateful that they all joined me today. And, you know, you really should be putting a little bit of gratitude into your gift giving this year. So supporting local is a great way to do that. Dawson's Market, it is a grocery store. And you may think, 
am I going there for my grocery shopping or my gift giving? And actually you can do both. And I, Barya Vlasky is such a, as we say in Yiddish, a mensch because he really gives back to his community. And I just don't think you see a lot of people in the business world doing it to the extent that he does. So check out what Bart is doing. Also don't miss what Sarah and Akua and Chris are doing. Great uh, beverages and natural oils and uh, chocolate to check out. And of course, while you're giving uh, actual gifts, you should give gifts to those you don't know as well. So World Vision is doing terrific work. Check out what Brian was talking about. Um, I think you'll be really pleased. So as always, I want to thank you for joining me today on Industry Night. Don't forget to check out Foodie and the Beast every Sunday on 1500 and go to the list are you on uh, the list are you on it.com, the online zine that has everything that you heard here today and so much more. Literally, there's something to do. Well, there's lots to do every day, and we have it all in the calendar. So, uh, everybody, please be careful out there. If you ask to wear a mask, just do it. If you haven't been vaccinated, I cannot help you. Get your booster, get your flu shot. Be kind out there. There are disruptions, both supply and employees. Uh, so just be kind, especially during the holiday season. So uh, again, thanks for joining me. Uh, Industry Night on Real Fun VC. Have a delicious week. Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Real Fun DC.